Um, so one story that I remember uh, that's, uh, that's very memorable to me is, so I was probably about, I don't know, somewhere between the 8 and 10-year-old range. Uh, and my dad wanted to take me fishing, and so I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. And we, you know, went early in the morning. He had uh, one of his one of his aunts uh, had a little pond behind her house on this farm that she lived on, and so we said he said let's go fishing there, and I said okay. So we went fishing. Uh, we were fishing all morning, really didn't catch much. Uh, caught a few little uh, little fish, but um, and it was but I just love spending time with my dad, right? So a lot of it was just kind of sitting there hanging out and. Uh, and so then we, we finished, and we were walking back. We got all the way back to the car, and I was like, Dad, I, like, my, my, like, middle of my back itches. Like, will you just will you check that out for me real quick? And I was like, just, like, middle of my back. You know, like, there's something, it kind of almost feels like something's crawling on me. And he, like, pulled down my shirt, and he was like, oh. And I was like, what, man? You're like, is that oh where you're like, kind of like if you were in a barber's chair and they said, oh, and you'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> what does my hair look like? So it, it was a very scary oh, and he didn't even say anything. He says, let's go down here. And I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And he was like, just take off your shirt real quick. And I was like, all right. And he said, you have like 10 ticks on your back right now. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, uh, and so then we, like, we, we went like in this little, uh, there's like a little screened in porch on the basement part of uh, my, my dad's aunt's house, and we both, like, stripped down, and we had, like, probably 30 ticks on each of us, uh, and we were, like, picking ticks off each other, <laughs> which was horrible. It was a horrible feeling. I hate those little things. Some of them were dug in already, you know, and you had to, like, really pull them out. Uh, so that's my fishing story. It's awesome, right? We were fishing for a fish, and we got a whole lot more than that. Um, so now you're probably, uh, you do that thing when you hear stories like that and all of a sudden like your shoulder, like, hey, wait, I feel like there's something crawling on me right now. No? Okay, so we are, we're going to be in Matthew 4. Uh, the end of Matthew 4. So if you haven't been with us, we've been working our way through all of Scripture from the very beginning, starting in Genesis 1, kind of working our way through, talking about uh, how the, the gospel is in all of it from the very beginning, that, that, that the whole book is about Jesus beginning to end. I mean, if you look at it, so we, we covered all this already, uh, and now we just have this like little part over here, right? Uh, so we're in Matthew. Uh, again, the whole story of scripture, the, the gospel is woven through all of it uh, about Jesus, Jesus really being the center of everything from the beginning of scripture to the end. God knowing that he was going to send Jesus to rescue his people, uh, and knowing that from the beginning. And so we, are, we left off last week where Jesus was in the desert. He was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert, and then he got tempted by the devil after he, was, he had been fasting for 40 days. And so we talked a lot about temptation last week. So immediately coming off of that is this next story that we'll be in, and he's, he's calling his disciples. So these first group of guys that are going to follow him, immediately after he comes out of that temptation in the desert, uh, he calls people to follow him. And so I'll read Matthew chapter 4, 18 through 22. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, 
and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So if you go, if you don't know a lot about scripture, the, the, the gospels, that's what we're in, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, four different guys that wrote four different gospels, right, that are all about Jesus and his life and his death and resurrection. Uh, four different perspectives, essentially, like if you were to write your perspective on a story and then somebody else writes their perspective, uh, different guys write in their perspective of what happened when they, and these are things that they saw. So they were around when, when Jesus was around and they were writing down the things that Jesus did. And so that's how Matthew records it. Uh, Mark is very similar in, in the way that he records it. Uh, I'm going to read that one as well. So in Mark, it is Mark 1, 16 through 20. So if you've never done this before, sometimes if you're wanting to get more details on a story that you read in one of the Gospels, there'll be like a little letter by uh, one of those passages, one of those verses. Is sometimes you'll see like that little, the little letter, and if you look down in your Bible and it has, uh, a lot of times it will have a reference to another gospel that has the same story. And so if you read the same story in all the gospels, you get a fuller picture of what happens, right? Uh, Mark 1, 16 through 20, uh, same idea. Again, Jesus calling the first disciples. It says this, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets, and immediately called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So really similar, only written a little bit differently, right? Uh, raise your hand if you've heard that story before, just even that, like that, that Jesus calling the disciples, right? So I've heard that, I've heard people teach on it before. I've even heard people teach on it and say, like, Man, and use that point where what happens? Jesus comes to these guys who are fishermen while they're fishing, and he says, hey, come follow me. And they, like, drop everything, literally drop nets, and they, and they follow him right away. And in and, and Mark's version, both times especially, it says that word immediately with both sets of guys. So I don't know about you. You may be, like, super spiritual or something, uh, but I don't think I am a lot of the times. And so for me, when I read that, I think... Like, those guys had a ton of faith because this guy just comes up to them and is like, hey, uh, come follow me. And they're like, all right. Drop this, I'm just going to leave. But like, think about that. If you, like, somebody just came up to you tomorrow at school and you never met them before, right? And they're like, hey, uh, hey, Allie, will you just come follow me over here? Would you be like, yeah, sure, cool. I mean, I hope not. If not, then you, we need to have a talk. You need to, like... Be, be, you know, stranger danger, that sort of stuff. I don't know if you've never had that talk. Uh, but for somebody to just drop everything and follow this guy, like that was always weird to me and hard for me to think, like, these guys must just have super faith. I'm always told, like, people in Scripture are regular people, but these guys had to have a super amount of faith if they're just going to drop everything and follow this guy. 
Well, if you, if you have a Bible or phone uh, with a Bible app on it, Luke 5. Look at Luke 5. It's the same story, more details than the other two versions. So Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. So instead of just four or five verses, we have 11 verses here of describing the same thing. Jesus calling the first disciples. This is how Luke writes it. On one occasion, while a crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put him out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Okay, so Jesus is teaching people. And, and I don't think this is, this is, if you read scripture and read more background on this, this isn't his first time of teaching a crowd of people. But he begins to teach, and so many people want to hear, and they're kind of pressing in, pressing in, and he's running out of space. And so he gets into Simon's boat and asks Simon to push it out a little bit, and he sits in the boat so that people can just get all along the shoreline and more people can be close, and he can just teach from there without being, like, pressed in on. So he gets pushed out in Simon's boat, and he teaches this crowd of people. And then in verse 4 it says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So he's done speaking. He's talking to Simon or Peter, uh, and he tells them, he tells them, hey, go put your nets down over here, essentially. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. So Jesus is telling him a guy who fishes for his life. Like that's what he probably grew up doing. He probably saw his dad doing that. Uh, had been fishing his whole life. And then this guy comes along and, and sure, maybe he's teaching some really cool things to these people. But he can teach really good truth to people. It doesn't mean that he knows what he's talking about when it comes to fishing. And I've like spent my whole life fishing, so if somebody's going to tell me what to do, especially after I've, it says, I've, he, they toiled all night and got nothing, so one of those times, if you've ever been fishing multiple times, certainly there's a time where you've fished all day and caught nothing, because uh, that tends to happen, right? Um, and so they caught nothing, and Jesus basically says, hey, go do this, and, and they're like, we tried everything, you know, but he says, okay, I'll listen. Verse 6, and he says, when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. So they throw their nets in. They catch, they're catching so many fish in this net that it, the nets are actually busting. And then they fill up the boat so much that the boats almost sink. They signaled to their partners. Uh, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and they followed him. So now, you read more of that and you hear what happened and what they saw and what they experienced. And to me, when I read that, I'm like, okay, that makes a lot more sense. They, they actually knew a little bit more about Jesus than these other two guys wrote about. And it doesn't mean the other two guys were wrong. They just wrote a shorter version of it because they wanted to expand on something else. And so Luke takes the time to expand a little bit more. And you see uh, a much more detailed version of what happened. 
So taking those, those stories, what I want to do tonight is answer this real simple question uh, that you've probably thought about, you've probably asked at some point in your life, maybe uh, thought about this yourself. So what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Because if I tell you I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, it may mean something completely different than somebody else who says that they're a Christian, correct? You've probably seen that a lot in your life. Many people call themselves Christian, especially in this area of the country. Uh, and many people have a very different definition of what that means. So that term Christian means follower of Christ, right? So what does it mean to follow Christ? That's the question we're going to answer tonight. Uh, and really I want to just point out three things. Three things of a follower of Christ. So if you are a follower of Christ, then these things should be true about you. Uh, so what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Number one, the first step of being a follower of Jesus, you have to know him and trust him. You're not going to follow somebody that you don't know. If you are, again, your parents did a horrible job of like, teaching you that whole stranger danger principle, right? You're not going to follow somebody that you don't know. You're going to try to find out something about that person. You want to know certain things about them before you follow them into anything. Before you follow them, like physically follow them somewhere, before you follow their directions, you want to know if that person even knows anything about directions and how to get, don't follow my daughter, Ellie. She will, she doesn't have any idea where things are at. And she gets it from her mom. Lauren's still like, Lauren can get lost in Nacogdoches still. We've lived here 10 years in May. Nacogdoches is not a big town. There are literally two main streets, North Street and University. But Lauren can still get lost going to Lufkin, okay? I'm just telling you, like, Ellie has that too. Like, we'll be, we'll, we've literally been driving in Ohio before, and Ellie said, hey, look, there's the neighbor's house. And you're like, that's not the neighbor's house, sweetheart. One of my favorite stories of Ellie and her lack of this, this horrible sense of direction. Uh, we were at her, Lauren's mom's house, and I'd just given her a bath. And uh, I, she got dressed, and I was, I was finishing on kid number two bath, and she, I said, okay, go ahead and go downstairs. And she was like, all right, Daddy. I was like, Ellie. It, she was like, what? And she was like standing in front of the closet door. I was like, that's not the door on the way out. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she like went to the complete other side, and it was, again, wrong. We're in a bathroom, and she couldn't like find her way out, you know? It's going to be hard for Ellie. She, she's really pretty, though. Um, uh, she's smart too. She just has no sense of direction, okay? Goodness. And she's pretty. Why are you laughing that my girl's pretty? Anyway, uh, my point, wait, what was my point? My point is you don't follow somebody that you don't know because you don't know if they know where they're going or not, right? And so the first step to being a follower of Jesus is you have to know him. And then once you know him and know about him, you have to choose to trust him. So you can know a whole lot about him and still not choose to trust him. So those two things, like the first key, you got to know and trust Jesus. You got to, when you look at the disciples, again, if you look at all of the gospels and that explanation, even more than that, if you've read through all of, of the Gospels before, when you read through it, you know that Jesus has already been doing some things. There's already been some talk about who this guy is. 
Uh, again, if there's crowds forming around him already, and he's teaching some people already, and he's in your town, you're, you're going to hear some things about who Jesus is. So these guys heard some things, probably heard some stories about who he is. Literally, they were there listening to him teach, so they heard him teach some things. And then he does the thing with the fish. <laughs> and he said, no, just like go throw your nets over there. And then they fill up to the point that they're breaking. And they, like, does that not blow anybody else's mind? That there's, they catch so many fish that both boats are about to sink. Have you ever seen a boat so full of fish that it's about to sink? I haven't. Like, that's crazy to me. And so what I'm sure that did for those guys, they, they heard some things about him, and then they saw and experienced firsthand some of the power of Jesus. And then they were like, yeah, I'm going to follow this guy. And if you look, if you, if you read through the Gospels, it's not like they knew everything there was to know about Jesus. They didn't even know really at that point that he was the son of God. They, they knew, like, I'm sure he taught about some of those things, and maybe they were still kind of on the fence if they really believed that he was the son of God or not. But they saw him do some stuff, and they heard him do some stuff, and they experienced some, enough of Jesus firsthand that they were like, okay, I'm going to follow this guy. And as they lived their life with him for the next couple of years, they, they learn more and more about who Jesus is. And I guarantee, by the time that Jesus le left earth from the, from the very beginning when he was with these guys and first called these guys, they trusted him way more then than they did at the beginning. But they still trusted him at the beginning. So, so look at that in your own life, that to, to know and trust Jesus, how does that happen? The same exact way. If you are a believer and you are a follower of Christ, some point in your life you probably heard some other people talking about Jesus. You heard them tell you maybe some crazy story about who he is or that he loves you so much and maybe you haven't been loved by a lot of people. But you heard something that caught your attention about who Jesus is and what he does and what he's done in somebody else's life. That made you curious enough that maybe you would come to church where people were talking about him, that you would go to a retreat where people were talking about him, that you would just go to your friend and ask them more questions because you've heard them talk about him. And you were curious enough because you started to hear and know some things about Jesus. And then my guess would be if you are following Jesus, that after you've learned and you've heard some things about him, and you like step into more uh, experiences where he, if people are talking about him, then probably at some point you had your own personal experience with Jesus doing something in your life. One of those times where you heard somebody teaching about Jesus and, and, and truth that he stated, and it lined up perfectly with what was going on in your life right then and there, like he was speaking to you. Or you, like, didn't really want to go on this retreat or this youth event or whatever, and then you went and, like, all these crazy things lined up, and you had these new friendships and, these, and this new truth that you've never heard before, and you had this weird thing called circle time, and it changed your life. So you've probably heard people, again, you heard people talk about some things enough to where you were interested in who this Jesus guy was and then experienced something firsthand. So the first step of being a follower of Jesus is do you know him and then do you, do you trust him? Those two things. It's two and one. I know it's like one thing, but it's kind of like two. Uh, so what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? If I'm a follower of Jesus, I know and I trust him. The second thing, sacrifice. 
being a follower of Jesus requires sacrifice. It's not easy. Don't think that you can follow Jesus and then the rest of your life is going to be perfect. That's not how it works. Do I think that's the best decision that you could ever make in your life? Yes. Is it ridiculously hard some of the time? Yes. For sure. What did these guys sacrifice that we just read about? Uh, they sacrificed their jobs. They left their jobs. They left money, like sure money and sure living and food on the table and those kind of things that were sure because they have been doing those things for a long time. They left that to physically follow Jesus. The two other, uh, John um, and his brother, they left their father, Zebedee. It's like they left him in the boat. I hope they at least, I'm assuming they had like a conversation like, hey, dad, we're going to like go with him. Uh, and we're going to leave this fishing stuff to you. It said in that one version that he had hired servants at least. So at first I just pictured him in the boat by himself like, well, there go my sons. Shoot. Uh, but he had other people helping him, I believe. But you read other people and other disciples that follow Jesus, they, they have to sacrifice. So sacrificing to initially follow him for sure. But then throughout their lives, they have to sacrifice comfort at some points. They have to, they have to sacrifice lots of different things. If you've met anybody that's followed Jesus, if you have been following Jesus, you'll know that you have to sacrifice things. Like, when I began to actually follow Jesus, when me and Lauren began to follow Jesus, it was at the same time, we lost a lot of our friends. And it wasn't because we were, like, being mean to them and trying to, like, yell at them and, like, hit them over the head with the Bible or something. Like, we would still go to the parties that they hung out at and did all the things that we used to do. We just wouldn't do those things anymore. And we just still try to hang out with those people. And eventually they, like, stopped inviting us to those places. And just didn't want us around. And that's part of, like, when you actually follow Jesus, your life changes. You look different. And people that are not following Jesus, uh, one, one way that scripture puts it, I think, is that uh, darkness can't stand the light. And when you have the light of Jesus in you and you are constantly around darkness, it's too bright and they don't want to deal with it and so they will push you aside if they're not ready to come into the light. Does that make sense? And so you will lose relationships. And I've seen that happen a million times too, right? Where somebody comes to know Jesus and they're in a bad relationship, dating relationship, and that will end that relationship. So there's all kinds of sacrifices that you have to make. Time, money, effort. I think about where Lauren and I are right now. We feel like God called us and we're super obedient to step into this whole thing of, of foster care and to foster children and to want to foster to adopt them. And... It's like ripping my heart out right now where we're at in that process. I believe that God is going to come through. I do. But it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt right now with where we're at and all the questions we have of like, man, just let us adopt these kids. Let us get to adopt them. And that's in the air right now. We don't really know. But I know that this is what, this was part of following Jesus for us. Was he asked us to come in this direction. We said yes. And it's really difficult. So he will ask you and he will lead you into things that are difficult. And you will have to make sacrifices to do them. But every follower of Christ does that. 
you're not alone in that. Jesus himself did that. When you read about him in the garden and going to the cross, and he knows he's going to die. He's the son of God. He knows it's happening. He knows he's going to get nailed to that cross. And he even asked his dad, and he says, Dad, listen, if you can do this any other way, if you can let this cup pass from me, that's what he's saying. If you could do this any other way, let's just do it that way, where I don't have to, like, get nailed to this cross. That'd be awesome. But he's, he steps into that still. He sacrifices to follow his father and his father's will. If you are a follower of Jesus, you sacrifice. It will take sacrifice in your life for sure. The, the last thing, uh, I guess my question in that one then. So if, if a follower of Jesus sacrifices, my question would be, will you say yes to wherever he calls you, no matter how crazy or how normal that is? Will you say yes to where he calls you, no matter how crazy or how normal that is? Because following Jesus is just saying yes, every time. And then the third thing, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to be a fisher of men. A little theme that we had tonight, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to be a fisher of men. Uh, what does that mean? That means we're all called to share the gospel. If you're following Jesus, you're going to tell people about Jesus. So he gets these guys who are just like regular dudes that are hardworking dudes. He says, hey, come follow me. As they start following him, and then as they're following him and they learn more about him, learn who he is, they tell other people, like this was God's whole plan from the beginning. I'm going to use these ordinary people, and they're going to tell other people about who I am and what I came to do and how I came to give them real life. And I'm going to let them tell people about it, and then that's what's going to spread this message. So we, as followers of Jesus, are called to share the gospel and train up more fishermen. So that they will do the same thing. Uh, Matthew 9, 35 through 38 says this. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. In verse 36 it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What is Jesus saying there? He's saying, we need more people that will tell of who I am and bring life to these people that are broken. It says he saw the crowds of people that didn't know him, that didn't know what life was like with him, and it broke his heart. He had compassion on them, and he just told his disciples, like, there's so much harvest. There's so much to be done, but there's not a lot of workers who want to do it. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to be a fisher of men. You're going to be somebody who is a laborer that for that harvest. Or if you're Jamal, like Jamal puts it, you're going to be a bee that's out there pollinating the world, right? Mm -hmm. Same example. Like that's the whole point. The same example. Same illustrations. The illustrations mean the same thing. That we're not meant to just kind of live life for ourselves. And worry about what God is going to do for you. Your life is meant to tell other people about Jesus. And that's scary for a lot of people. But you have a whole lot of practice at that. Think about it. Like this is what, this is what I think about a lot. That we all have a whole lot of practice at, at sharing the gospel. How is that? 
you talk about what you've seen and what you've heard and what's important to you all the time. All the time. You share the good news of like the best food that you just ate, right? You snap a photo of that. You share that on social media. You say, check this out. L Jelly Science and their new expansion in town. Some of you might call it Halle Sansei or whatever, you know. That's like taking over Nacogdoches right now. Um, burritos, Mexican place next to Walmart area, you know. Uh, I hear lots of people talking about that place recently because they expanded. Uh, you hear people talk about food. You hear people talk about their favorite sports teams. What else? What else? Anything that's exciting to you, you share with the world. And it's not work for you, right? If you had the best food ever, then you want to tell people about that. That's natural. If you think this team is the best team in the world and you love Tom Brady, you're going to tell everybody about Tom Brady, you know? All these things that you share on a regular basis, I guarantee you did something of that probably today even, where you shared something with somebody that was really important to you or exciting to you. That's all that sharing the gospel is, literally. It's saying, man, Jesus changed my life, and I need to tell somebody about that because it's freaking crazy. He changed my life. As natural as it is for you to share about these other things that are life-changing, it should be that natural and easy to do this with Jesus, right? But it all flows on the other things. If you don't know him really well, and you've never experienced any kind of personal relationship with Jesus, then you have nothing to share. But if you know him, and you've been sacrificing for him, then you will have stories to share. And it will be about, again, talking about that. What, what, think about these disciples, right? They weren't like seminary trained and, and teaching theological points and talking about systematic theology and all these sorts of things, right? They were literally just fishing, and then Jesus like, comes and says, hey, follow me. And so they start following Jesus and they watch him do cool stuff like heal people and tell them about what life and, and, and living for God looks like. And then they just tell other people what they saw and what they heard. That's as simple as it was for them. Like they told people what they saw and what they heard Jesus do. And that's our job as being, uh, being fishers of men is just telling people what I've seen Jesus do in my own life, what I've seen him do in other people's lives and who he is. Like, that, that's sharing the gospel. So if we are a follower of Jesus, if you, like, really are wrestling with that, am I a follower of Jesus, you will know and you will trust him. Again, the longer that you're a follower, the more that you know him, the more that you trust him. You will sacrifice for him. If you're not sacrificing anything for Jesus, I really don't know how closely you're following him. Like, he calls you to sacrifice stuff all the time. And you should be fishers of men. You should be telling people about him. When was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Have you ever shared the gospel with somebody? Are you training somebody up to be a fisher of men? Like, I, I, I love those kind of things where you get to train people up. Who, who comes to refuge because somebody invited you? Not because your parents made you. Not because uh, you just kind of stumbled in here. Somebody, like, literally came to you and invited you. Uh, or it was like just sharing truth with you and said, hey, I go to this place on Wednesdays. Will you come with me? Raise your hand if you like were invited by somebody here before. Somebody invested in you. That's awesome. Like people are sharing the gospel. I know, I know that that happened with people that aren't here anymore. Uh, not like they died, like they graduated. 
Um, sorry. Uh, but they like graduated, but they, because of their influence on freshmen or sophomores at the time that they were seniors, those people are here, and then that keep, continues to happen. Uh, me and Jamal were hanging out in that sort of a relationship at first, where I was like getting to train him up, now, and now it's like we just, we get to do this thing together, and I get to watch him train up a ton of people. Like that's, that's fun, that's exciting. Uh, so I guess my last question is, is, do you have compassion for the crowds like Jesus did? It's, Jesus said he looked at this crowd, these crowds of people, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. And he is the good shepherd, like the shepherd, but he wants us to be, a, you know, essentially little shepherds that are, are pastoring flocks of people that are taking care of flocks of people and bringing them in and making sure they're healed up, and then they can be shepherds, and then they can bring more people in and build them up, and they can be shepherds. Do you have a compassion for the crowds like Jesus did? A compassion that's strong enough to actually cause you to sacrifice something for them so that they would know about Jesus? Are they worth making sacrifices for? Why or why not? Wrestle with those things. Like, think about those things. Like, do I care about people at my school enough to tell them about Jesus? And what are ways that I can do that? Like how can I, am I praying for anybody specifically that I know doesn't know the Lord? Do I just stay in a circle of people that know Jesus and I never actually branch out to talk to people that don't know Jesus? Again, just think of those things. It's that simple. Know and trust him. Sacrifice for him. Just say yes, whatever he calls you to do. And then start fishing for people. Father, we, we love you. We trust you. Uh, Trust that you're, you're good. That even in times that are so difficult, I don't ever doubt your goodness. I don't. You are good and you are in control. And even though you call us to sacrifice things for you, I know it's for our, for, for our best. I pray if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you, that they would know you, that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would bring people in their lives that would, would tell them about who you are. I pray you would convict us, Holy Spirit, to reach out to different people that we maybe aren't reaching out to at all. Maybe we're not reaching out to anybody at all. But if we are believers and followers of you, I pray that you would lay it on our hearts, that you would convict us tonight, that we would be telling people about you that we would actively find ways, that we would sacrifice to tell people about who you are. And that we wouldn't overcomplicate it, that we would make it simple and just tell people how good you are, how you change our life, and offer them into that same life. Let us be people that do that and do that on a regular basis that just comes naturally. Father, we love you. Thank you for... Man, sending people to fish for us. I know I had lots of people that spent a lot of time and were very, very patient with me. So thank you for diligent people that kept saying yes to you when they should have probably given up on me a lot of times. Let us be those same kind of people that just keep pursuing, running after the lost sheep, 
so that they can know you and be filled in you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.